0: All right, good morning, everybody. We are super glad that you're here. Uh, be- be- before we uh, introduce RJ, I want to remind you guys, after the, uh, this session, you will uh, move into your uh, your uh, track sessions and encourage you to do that uh, as quickly as possible because we'll have lunch coming up and uh, we're trying to get things set up for lunch. Uh, but there will be a free lunch here. Uh, we got some... Um, Wes has made barbecue, and some other guys. that So you got smoked uh, pulled pork and other options. But it's going to be uh, it'll be a great lunch. But uh, just remember that's on premises today. Uh, our speaker for this session is R.J. Caddasan, and R.J., you guys that know him, uh, <laughs> R.J. Uh, became a R.J. became a Christian in our campus ministry uh, years ago, and uh, from the moment he showed up, he's been a blessing to the church. And he uh, works with our youth ministry. He has a full-time job, but he and my daughter, Ashley, uh, work with our youth ministry. And uh, it, I remember when, when my daughter was born, I began praying that night that God would prepare a man for her. Because I wanted somebody to take over after I was gone that would love her and protect her and guide her. And through all the years, you know, Ashley, uh, you know, had several opportunities for, for guys that would, would ask her out. But I really believe that when she met R.J. that the prayer that I had prayed had been answered. And so you have somebody standing before you who didn't grow up in a religious background at all. But yet when he made his commitment to God, made a commitment that has changed him from that moment forward. And that from the time I've met him till now, I feel super comfortable knowing that I can trust my daughter to him. And I can trust you all to him as well. So I'm going to pray for him and then he's going to uh, do his thing. All right. Father, thank you for R.J. God and for His love for you, and Father, His love for people. And Father, I know uh, I know exactly how He feels at this moment. Uh, he, like Jonathan, was in the restroom just uh, moments before He came up here. You know, yesterday. But uh, Father, following somebody like Jonathan can be difficult. Uh, Father, you just I know just how I, I have been there and going, "Oh, why am I put in this position?" You know. But God, the truth is, You put us in the places that we are, that you arrange times and places, and Father, you do it because you know all of us have something that you want us to offer to your family and to the world that will bring glory to you. And so Father, right now give RJ confidence in the fact that the spirit of your spirit lives within him, that Father, that you have transformed him from a place that was far away to a place that's intimate, and that Father, all the work that you began, you will begin, you will complete, and Father, that you will be with him during this message. So, Father, help him to help clearly. Help him to relax. And Father, help us to listen. Father, I pray that He will speak, and those of us who have ears to hear will hear. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, can you guys hear me?
1: I'm doing okay. It's there. They'll uh, they'll get it adjusted. Good people back there. Hey, media team, round of applause. Done great things. Um, I know I'm probably one of the people who give you guys a hard time about all the stuff that maybe doesn't go really right uh, but, uh, they really have done a good job. Uh, man, CMU, I'm so glad to be here with you guys. The round of applause coming up. I appreciate it. Sometimes I feel like, hey, you get like a round of applause like that, like coming up. Maybe I should just exit the stage at that moment. Cause then I can leave on a high note. You know, who knows what you're going to say here in the next two hours, right? Two hours. And then I'll get you guys loose, uh, after who knows what's going to happen after there. Um, <clears throat> so the seven churches, of Asia is what we've been focusing on uh, this, whole, th- this whole track, this whole series, all these keynotes. And I love it. I love it because whenever you look in Revelation and you see the seven churches, it's really kind of a depiction of every single church that's out there, really like a, a culmination of people, right? We have several different churches throughout the area in, in, in the Midwest and w- however far away you are. Um, who is the farthest? Donnie, you the farthest ones that came up? Probably Florida, anybody farther? no. No, we'll try next year. Um, man, so all, all of us come together and we come here and we listen to these lessons and we get into the scripture and we look at the seven churches and we see how do we relate? Which church are we? And, I, and as I'm studying, as I'm looking at the passages, I'm thinking, man, what church are we here? Which church are we? Are we the church that God comes with the belt, like kind of like Wes was talking about last night and we're fitting to get a whipping? we're gonna to have to turn our heads and make sure that we do the right thing? Or are we, are we a church that God admonishes and lifts up and says, hey, you guys are doing some really good things. I'm blessed to be able to talk with you about the church in Philadelphia. And that's kind of what that church is. And I come to events like this and I come to retreats often. And I look out in the crowd and I see some of the older generation. I see some of the younger generation. And I just wonder sometimes if you ever really think, what are you doing in your life to contribute to the growth of the kingdom, and how have you developed the church and the ministry and the place where you're at into something that God can use or something that God is of, repulsive of? And I'm constantly trying to check myself and saying, man, what am I doing? You gotta ask yourself, why are you here? Why are you here this weekend? Are you here because you're a part of a campus ministry that comes to stuff like this? That's awesome, that's not a bad thing but it has to become something more. It has to become something greater. And a lot of you guys, you might not know that much about me. There's a a, a lot of you who do, right? If you're from the St. Louis metro area, uh, St. Charles County things, or St. Charles County Church, right? Uh, trying to get used to saying that. Um, you know me pretty well. Been a part of this church uh, for as long as it has started. I guess that's going on... 18 or 19 years. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong about that. A while. Um, but when I started uh, in the ministry all those years back, I really had no clue what was going on. I just showed up. I loved it. I loved the people. I loved getting into the word of God. I loved listening to uh, all the, the, the sermons. Man, I was, it was something I craved, have you ever felt that way about your father in heaven and the word of God? Where you just, man, I just craved it. And I'm not gonna lie to you, over time, it seems like it's harder to find that craving. You understand or am I alone with that? It's harder sometimes, it's hard. As you've, as you've walked the life of a disciple, it's hard sometimes to keep that fire burning within you. And as we looked at the churches over over the past, you know, couple days, and we've looked at some, I know that you can relate to some of those churches, right? We've all been there. And today, this morning, I get to talk with you about the church in Philadelphia, and I feel like I really, really relate to that church. I said to you guys, some of you know me really well, some of you guys don't know me at all. Don't know me at all. You see what I'm doing now. You see who I am now. And for some reason, CMU board put me as a keynote. Who knows why? They just did. And you think, some of you who don't know me, you think and you look up here and you're like, hey, this guy must be, I guess he's a good guy. Teaching, right? They put him, he's teaching. But it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way at all. Robert kind of talked with you guys a little bit about my, my upbringing. Very, very small. I didn't grow up going to church aside from like Christmas and, and Easter, you know? I grew up Catholic and we went on the days that were most important, right? And those were the days. And I did my little checklist on a Saturday night and I asked for forgiveness. I was good to go for six more until the seventh day came around. And I did it again. No real relationship with God, you know? And I grew up doing so many different things that, man, it just wasn't the right thing to do. But I honestly didn't know any better. I was, at a, I was listening to a dad just a couple weeks ago, kind of congratulate and say something kind to his son because he surrendered his life to Christ. And the dad said, um, I hope I don't botch this up, the dad said, I've, I've always tried to do, do right and try to teach you to, to be a good young man and I tried to do these very things. and I just, I just taught you what I knew best. I just taught you what I knew best. And I feel like that's kind of how I grew up. I grew up just kind of living what I knew best. And I was kind of a product of my environment. I grew up in a a family that, uh, you know, my parents were divorced. I have an older sister, um, a year older. She's not much older than me. Um, And, you know, my family just, it it was just kind of messed up. Uh, Very dependent upon each other. You know, if if you stray too far away from the family, you're a terrible person, right? You guys got those families like that? Well, don't move out of town. Don't move out of town. There's Casey's here, there's a, there's a truck stop up the way, what else do you need? Don't, you don't move out of town, that's too bad. So we, what did we do? Fran and I moved out of town, right? So you imagine kind of the, 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 the heartache that we got in those situations. So I grew up like that, small town in central Illinois, didn't have a whole lot, not a whole lot at all. And I tell my teenagers that I work with, I'm blessed and fortunate to be able to work with the the teen ministry, the youth ministry here at the church. And you guys have no idea how I really grew up. You don't really know because you didn't live it. You didn't get to experience it. Some of you guys in here, you get to have so many great things. You're part of a ministry that strives and fights for you every day you people who are in a campus ministry, you're a part of that campus ministry that strives to fight to get you closer to your father in heaven every single day. You adults, there's people before you and leaders before you that are striving to position you in a way that can allow the strength of God to come in you in a way to open up doors to bless the, bless the world and the community around us. But sometimes, sometimes we think so inwardly that God is closed off to anything that can be done amazing in our life because of the way that we act. And that's exactly how I grew up. In this church, as we break this passage apart in Revelation chapter 3, you kind of see some really cool things. Some really cool things that I feel like I relate to a lot And I'll talk with you a little bit more about that as we go along. So in Revelation chapter three, it says this. I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. God is saying this. I've seen what you've done, church. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. Man, isn't that amazing? God is telling the church in Philadelphia, man, I see what you've done. Now watch and see what I've done. I've opened up a door for you that nobody can slam shut. But there are so many doors in our lives in the past and in the present, and there's gonna be a bunch in the future that you're gonna be twisting, you're gonna be pushing, you're gonna be one. you just wanna boot that freaking door down. You just wanna kick that door down, right? And no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, Jonathan was talking about the success that we strive for, no matter what happens in our life and how hard we push, there's gonna be some doors that you are never gonna be able to budge and touch. How does that make you feel, church? To me, I ask, why, why, why is there things in my life that I have to go through that I can't seem to fight and overcome myself? Why is that? And I believe that God wants us to be in those situations so that we can turn to him because he's the one with that master key. No doubt about it. And I really feel at the beginning of my walk with God back whenever I was 18 and I surrendered my life to him and I found out what an authentic relationship with Christ really looked like. I really, really feel and know that I made a commitment to always know that if great things were to come, it was only gonna be through the power of my Father in heaven. 20 years later, here I am still wishing for the same thing. Ain't been easy, but I believe for the majority of that time, I've tried to be faithful. And I think if you look at my life, some of you guys, I wish I could spend the next, you know, minutes talking with you guys a little bit about, you know, you talk with me afterwards. I'll share it then, maybe over some brisket. Where's, is that what we're eating, Wes, well, brisket? I don't want it if it's not. I mean, I'm just kidding. Love Wes's barbecue. <laughs> I read this passage, and I deeply, man, I want that. I want God to look at our churches, our ministries, our areas, the people that are sitting here in this room, And I want him to be like, man, I've seen what you've done. Now watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to open up doors that nobody can slam shut. I'm going to open up those doors with that master key that you could never, never fathom ever being open. You've been fighting for it for years. Those old hurts, right, those old pains, those old struggles, God's got the key to it. And I think when you look at the passage, there's some doors that God opened up for the church of Philadelphia. When you look back, there's that door of effectively helping others. I kind of take pride in that with, with our church. You know, I, I've i been blessed to kind of be a part of some movements that we're doing here at, at, at the crossings, which, you know, building a facility just on basically on the other side of this building in, the, in that grass grassy area over there, I'm a part of the team that's in that construction area. And I, I remember sitting in front of, the, the school's board and kind of saying to them is like, man, we're not a wealthy church at all. We're not wealthy at all. I mean, we are really, really wealthy. Don't get me wrong. Maybe I shouldn't say that. We're a super wealthy church because we have a lot. We have running water, right? We're not as hot today as it was in the past couple days, right? We've got all those things that make us really wealthy in life in comparison to other people. But honestly, we're not that wealthy of a church when it comes to like the functionality of the finances on a, on a monthly basis, and, it, and, it, and it's in and, and stretching out to build this facility, I told them, I basically said, I said, hey, you know, if you think that we're going to be the church sitting around with a bunch of money in our bank and savings, that's not going to be us. If you want reliability to know that we're going to be uh, actively, you know, uh, we're going to be able to function and keep that facility uh, because there's a bunch in the savings account, that's not us because we put all of our money into helping others. We put all of our money into investing in the things that will last forever. The two things that are gonna last forever in that eternity is the word of God and the people of God. And that's where I'm gonna put all of our money to every single time. So when you look at those doors that God opened for the church in Philadelphia, he opened up doors to be able to help people. And that terminology, opening doors, if you look in Acts chapter 14, 27, write these down and go back and look at it. Acts 14, 27 1 Corinthians 16.9, 2 Corinthians 2.12, and Colossians 4.3. I'll give them to you later if you want them. All of those passages give reference to opening doors as an opportunity to share the gospel, as an opportunity to help people. And that's exactly what the church in Philadelphia was doing. They had an opportunity that God opened up doors to helping them escape hardships, I know God did that for me. And there's so many people in this room that God has allowed to escape those hardships in their life. And I think God wants us to use those hardships to be able to help people next to us. God opened up doors for eternal life in the church of Philadelphia. If it wasn't for the people in this church, I never would have found that. I don't know if Juan is here today. Usually he is. Oh, there he is. Juan and Carrie studied the Bible with me. I remember vividly sitting in Carrie and Hannah's uh, house on, uh, is actually the house that I lived at. What, shoot, what's the name of that road now? Who knows? It's there. Uh, over in Alton. I remember sitting in that back room studying it and just being like, man, this is so amazing. This is so amazing. The word of God is so amazing. These people are so mad. I didn't know that any of this existed. This is great. And I have an opportunity for that eternal life just like the church in Philadelphia did. And I believe that the same thing needs to happen and God wants the same thing to happen here in our church in St. Louis. But not just here in the metro area, wherever you're going back to. Whatever ministry you step foot in or campus you step foot in, excuse me, or ministry that you get to be a part of, he wants you to share and open up doors for people to be able to have eternal life. And I think there's two questions that I wanna have you guys write down and just think about Think about this. When you talk about opening doors, what, do, what doors do you want God to open for your ministry? Think about that a little bit. Man, what dream a little bit, vision a little bit, cast something and look at something far away and be like, man, I want to see my ministry do this. I would love for God to open up a door so that my ministry can be in this situation. I would love for God to open up a door so that our church can be in this position. What is it that you want God to open up? What doors do you want him to break down so that your ministry can grow, your church can grow? In Colossians chapter four, verse three, in four it says this, don't forget to pray for us that God will open doors for telling of Christ. Even while I'm locked up in this jail, Pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain as day to them. I uh, I heard uh, one of these. I, I, so I listen to a lot of a lot of different sermons. I do a lot of driving sometimes, you know, on a daily basis. So I try to fill my time with some good stuff instead of just listening to the radio or listening to the nonsense of news sometimes, or listen to all the kind of terrible things that are going on, right? The news, just, the radio just tells you that all over. So I try to fill myself up with some good stuff every once in a while, as much as I can. And I heard this guy say one time, he said, man, every time you open up your mouth, you tell the world who you are. Every time you open your mouth, you're telling the world who you are. Remember that, especially younger generation Remember that, every time you talk, every, every word you say, you're just showing your colors. You're showing your character, you're showing your integrity, you're showing little pieces of your heart with every sly comment, with every little dig, with every brash statement, is telling a little bit more of who you are. But not everything that we say has to be in a, a, a negative, right? In Colossians, he's saying, man, every time I open my mouth, every time I open my mouth, I want to make Christ plain as day to them. A second question I think that you guys need to ask yourself when it comes to opening up doors is what doors do I want God to open up in my life? In my personal life, in my personal walk with my Father in heaven, what is it that you want opened up for you? I have, uh, you know, a couple, you know, I've got a lot of friends here at the church. I've got, uh, a, I feel like I have a lot of really close friends. But I feel like I've got some of those friends that are just really, really close. You know that? You know what I'm talking about? That confidant, confidant. You know that person that I'm talking about, right? It's like they kind of know you a little bit more. <clears throat> um, I've got those people. God's blessed me with those people. I feel like some of the things that I think about, like, man, what do I want, to, what do, what do I want in 20 years? I'm a carpenter. You know, uh, a lot of you guys who are carpenters in here also would say I'm not a carpenter because I'm not out in the field. Whatever. Did my time out there in the field. Don't forget I helped most of you guys get into the field, so you just watch it. I'm a carpenter by trade. I love doing it. I love building um, I don't get to build that much anymore. I'm, you know, more on the management side, I guess you would say, so I don't get to actually be out on the job sites. But I do miss it. <clears throat> and traditionally, so I'm 37, fitting to be 38, July. And, um, you know, typically maybe another 25 years I'm going to be retired. Do I want to do this for another 25 years? I think about that. Do I, what, what does God want me to do for the next 25 years? What does, what does God, what doors do I want God to open up in my life? What is it that I want to do? Some of you guys who are at that retirement age, what do you want to do for the next 15 to 20 years? How do you want to serve God and bless? What do you want God to do within you for the next 15 to 25 years? Life is not done until it's done. It's done. Some of us, we just got to, you know, just to fight and serve the Lord and think about that question. What doors do I want? Don't think selfishly about that question. Think with some purpose. How can you bless the ministry? What can I do with my life? I wonder sometimes, what should I be doing for the next 20, 25 years? And I pray like, God, make it clear. Because I feel like maybe I should be doing this. God, do you want me to do something different? I want it to just be clear, clear as day. And honestly, I feel like the only way you get those clear answers is if you're really close with him. Ain't no doubt about that. And I want to be that church. I want to be that man. I want you guys to strive to be those kinds of disciples that look at your life and be like, man, what doors does God want? What doors do I want to have God open up my life so that I can bless the kingdom of heaven? And we're talking about these doors, right, in the church of Philadelphia, and he says, man, God is gonna open up doors because he sees your faithfulness. He knows what you're doing, and he's gonna open up these doors for you. But there's gonna be so many doors in your life that you're not gonna have a key to. You gotta tap into the master key. So I'm gonna talk with you guys about four keys that I think that you can find in Revelation chapter three, God talking to the church in Philadelphia. Four keys that can move God to open up the doors in my life. The first key that I wanna talk about is my declaration of dependence. And all these keys are gonna create an acrostic there for door. Sorry, I didn't mention that. So my declaration of dependence. So previously, in Revelation chapter three, verse eight, it says this, I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. And he says, I know that you have little strength. A key to allowing God to open up the doors is you have to declare your dependence on Him. Why? Well, look at the passage. He says, I know that you have little strength, church in Philly. I know that you're not strong. Now, men, women too, anybody in here, you look at that passage, right? And you're like, hey, Hey, Johnny, I know you have little strength. How do you feel, Johnny? That's not true. (laughs) Point taken, right? I know that you have little strength. How do you feel about that? I'm like, hold on a second I don't need that. I'm not, there's someone weaker than me, isn't there? There's someone weaker than me? Who's weaker here? No, not Landon. Not Landon. Look at the bulging muscles in that shirt. He says, I know that you have little strength. And like in the world, we're like, no, not me. Man, I can lift. And I've, I've been lifting. I take all those supplements. I've got a gym membership. I do, man, I play sports. I can, I, I do this, I do that. Not me. We look at that passage and I'm like, man, I don't really want to be known as having little strength. I know it's hard to believe, but back in the day, I wasn't always this masterpiece of physique that you see in front of you. (laughs) I was tiny. I was weak. I remember, so I played football growing up. And um, small town, so like, you know, my size, I probably should have never been on the line, but I was. So I was a left guard and outside linebacker. We were not a good team. (laughs) We were not good at all. Another story. Nothing but disappointment whenever, you know, sadness and disappointment whenever I think about those times. But I remember in between eighth grade and freshman year, like they're like, okay, you guys got to hit the gym, right? You got to put some weight on you, right? It's time to work out a little bit. I'm like, okay, cool. All right, let's get in there. So I remember vividly eighth grade to freshman year, summer. I get on that, and you know, in, in, the, in the program was bigger, stronger, faster. You hit the squats, you benched, you power cleaned, you did, you, what, you did all these different things, not power clean. What was that? I don't even remember, it's been so long since I've worked out, I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> it was something, it was something. So, so I'm doing all these workouts and stuff, and I'm like, okay, I'm feeling okay. I'm kind of matching up with the other group of kids my age, and we're all kind of lifting the same. I get on the bench, and I, I don't even know what was on there. It had to have been maybe just, a, there was a, it might have just been like a 25 on each side on a, on a, so whatever that is, 85 pounds, 95. <laughs> yeah, that too. So I'm like, you're like, oh, you push up 10, 10 reps. Okay. I'm like at three or four and I'm struggling. I'm like, what is going on? I can't do it. I can't. I remember vividly like failing at that. And like everybody in the weight room just kind of looking and they're like, this dude is weak. This dude. And I, I promise you at that, at that moment I said, man, I'm not doing bench again. Not with anybody watching. I got to beef this up a little bit, you know, on the behind the scenes, you know, so that whenever I get, you know, I don't look like a fool, you know. I, I I vividly remember that, and I bet I didn't bench press in those routine, you know, those workouts. I bet I didn't bench press for six or seven months. Easily, I would skeet around it. Right, I'd be like, hey, man, I'm gonna hit the squat, man. I'm gonna, get over squat. I'm gonna come over curl, man. I'm gonna come over here. You know, and and finally everybody's kind of like everybody's kind of like, well, "Are you going to come and bench R.J.?" No, I mean, I did that a while ago. I do that. I'll do that a little bit. You know, are you going to come over here, R.J. and you can do that? No, man, I just, you know, I'm a, I'm am partnered up with uh, uh, Mickey over here. You know, we're doing this. So so eventually they kind of corner me, right? And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to bench know, You're going to show how weak I am. So I remember getting on the bench and all of a sudden, like man, I was pushing those, those reps up like nothing. I don't know necessarily what happened. I assumed that it was cause like everything else I was doing, I all of a sudden got stronger. But man, it made me feel proud, right? Those of you guys who got that good, strong physique, you're the strongest in your little group of friends, you're the best looking in this group of friends. You, you the you the this and with your little group of friends, you have this esteem. Right, you're lifted up. You've got this strength. You can be proud. You got this. We think of that in this world, and we're like, we chase after that. I chase after that. But God says here in Revelation, He says, "Man, I know that you have little strength." And I think the reason why He wants us to feel that way and to understand that in scripture, admitting that weakness is never a negative, it's completely opposite. When a follower of Christ acknowledges their weaknesses, it's always viewed positively by God, always. Man, and that's a good thing for some of you, right? Or should I, good thing for all of us, right? Right? My family growing up, you know, uh, it was like my family never wanted to, like, elevate in, like, just for work, for example. They never wanted to elevate necessarily in positions. My dad retired as a produce clerk at Kroger's in Taylorville. What, 35 years? Sissy? Is she even here? He's there. 35 years. Produce clerk. Could have became produce manager. Probably could have became this, that, and the other, but I was just real comfortable with being down here. I shouldn't say down here, but like here, right, in this in in this classification. You know, my aunt, same way, just never per- pushed, never put. And I think that looking back in the way that I grew up and the way I lived, there was always this feeling of inadequacy. There's always this feeling of just not enough. There's always this feeling of ah, I'm a little nervous to step out on that because I don't know that if I have the ability. And I... I wonder that if I grew up, since I grew up that way and I just watched that and I lived that and stuff like that, it's really easy for me to always to kind of feel like you're always inadequate, you're always weak, RJ. You're never quite, you're never quite enough. No matter what you do right, it's not quite good enough. That's why whenever I was told, and honestly, honest to God, when I was told that I was going to be teaching the lesson up here, I'm thinking, why would I have to do that? Why would I have to do that? Why, why would I have to do that? And I guess over the years, that weakness that I've always had in my life and that I feel like I've always acknowledged has allowed God to slip in and give me the strength to be able to become something good. And I don't care if man, I don't I don't care if my name is I don't care if you if if I ever have any of the recognition. I really don't. I hate it as a matter of fact. But I think that humble approach to life allows you to realize that you can't ever make great things occur without the power of God. You have to declare your dependence upon him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse nine, Dev and I, I had the wrong numbers written down there, it's actually 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse nine, it says this, but he replied, my kindness is all you need. My power is strongest whenever you're weak. So if Christ keeps giving me his power, I will gladly brag about how weak I am. Some of you guys are completely opposite to this. You realize that? Some of us in here are completely opposite to this. So if Christ keeps giving me his power, I will gladly brag about how weak. I didn't write that. I didn't, that wasn't me. <laughs> but you get the point. <laughs> weakness everywhere, weakness everywhere. You guys, man, some of you guys, some of us in here, I man, you'll brag, you'll brag till the day is long, as the day is long, about how great you are, about how you'll beat this person at this game. I saw it last night playing basketball, playing volleyball. You adults, you brag about what you have and where you live and the toys that you have in the account that you have. You brag about so many things in life that really is never, ever going to make you feel better about yourself. Completely opposite to the passage, but God says, listen, there is power in understanding and recognizing in living a life that is weak and meek. God can work with that, but you pride and arrogant fools, trouble's in your way. In 2 Corinthians chapter three, verse five, it says this. There is nothing in us that allows us to claim that we can do this work. The capacity we have comes from God. In 1 Peter chapter five, verse six and seven, it says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourselves, Under God's mighty hand, and He may lift you up in due time. I love that passage, but you know what part of that passage that I just kind of I'm just like, oh man, I wish that wasn't there. Does anybody else see it? In due time. What what time is that? What's due time? I don't know what due time is. Is there a? You're just like, man, I did it. God, why not now? Why not the? Why not? Why not the benefit now? Keep doing it, keep on keeping on. Keep grinding away at it one day at a time, you'll get there in due time. What's he teaching you there? Patience, trust. He's teaching us to be dependent upon God. So that first key, if you want God to move to open doors in your life, in this ministry, in our churches, is you have to declare dependence on God. The second key, is my obedience to God's word. You gotta be obedient to God's word. In Revelation chapter three, later on in that passage says, yet you have kept my word. See, false teaching was rampant in the churches back then, in the seven churches that they're talking about there. Specifically, four of those seven churches were challenged a hard issue to address it. And I'm not gonna beat, you know, beat it down any more than what we have heard in, in several of the lessons so far, but God is requiring us to make sure that we are following and keeping his word. You gotta get in it, though. You gotta read it, you gotta study it. But you can't just read it and study it, you also have to obey it. True followers of Jesus have a commitment to hold to the teachings of Christ, in First John chapter two, verse four, it says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep my commands is a liar. Now the passage that's up there that you're reading right now says this, and we will receive whatever we request because we obey him and do the things that please him. Is that on your mind every day? Doing the things that please your father in heaven? Is that at the top of your thoughts every single day? Because if it's not, it has to be in order for you to be able to have God open up the doors in your life. The next passage, John chapter 13, that I wanna look at. John chapter 13, verse 17, says this. You know these things, now do them. That is the path of blessing. And just put this together. Knowing plus doing always equals the blessing. Knowing and not doing, mathematicians, Equals no blessing. (laughs) It's a tough one. But we live and we act all the time with the second equation that I just said and we expect that blessing and it never, ever works that way. So if you wanna have God open up the doors in your ministry, in your life, in your church, you have to make sure that you're obedient to God's word, the second key. Now the third key is my... Ordination of Jesus as Lord. To ordain Jesus as Lord. The word ordain comes from that Latin word to put in order or to establish. And it's important that you guys understand and you remember and you just know that it can't be that, that, that. Your preacher or your ministry leader or your cell leader, your small group leader, or whatever it is that you have in your life, your mentor, your spiritual mentor, they can't be the one to position God as Lord in your life. You have to ordain your father in heaven to be there. That means every decision you make, every place you live, every school that you choose to go to is going to have a purpose behind it. And education is second to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? I was in college one time. It was the longest semester of my life. Some of you guys in college too long, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You you need to graduate. You need to graduate. You need to get out. (laughs) So we can talk about that. But there has to be something in your life. There has to be. It has to be you in your own personal life to say, I'm going to position God as the Lord. It says in Revelation three, verse eight, it says this, and you've not denied my name. Of all the things that go on in your life, and you've still not denied my name. Back in that time, as we've heard in some of the other lessons, it was pushed and asserted that Caesar was Lord. And if you didn't say that, then you were persecuted. You were crucified, you were killed. But if you simply just said it, you were given, you, you were given freedom, but to say Jesus is Lord and you making sure that Jesus is the Lord of your life in every thought, in every decision, and every movement that you make, that caused a lot of trouble for you. He can open the doors, but he has to be in a position to open the doors for you. In Acts chapter two, verse 36, it says this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Salvation is found in no one else, For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. 1 Peter 3.15, I love this passage. It says, in your hearts, in your hears, (laughs) I didn't spell that one either. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. In your heart, set him apart as your Lord and your master. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Later on in that passage, it says, and do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may feel ashamed of your slander. Now think about that. God is saying always have an answer to give to somebody for the reason why you have hope. There's always hope whenever Jesus is Lord. There's never hope when he's not. So the third key, if you want to have God open up those doors in your life and in your ministry and in your church, you have to ordain him as your Lord. You have to position him and put him and establish him in that position in your life and in your heart. And the fourth and final key that I want to talk with you guys about, if you want to have God open up the doors in your life, you have to refuse to quit. My refusal to quit Revelation chapter 3 verse 10 through 12 says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently I will keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on this earth I'm coming soon, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown him who overcomes Ben flip back that where it says quit refuse to quit, hey kids you know, I'm not kidding not family church family here. When you read that it needs to mean something to you. Those of you in here who have committed your life to Christ to being a dedicated follower of Christ and you walked in with just, just fire blazing and you were going to set you were going to do amazing things for the kingdom at that moment because you surrendered your life to Christ. And you older people, it has dwindled and it has died off and you've quit on the greatest things that have brought you the the best in blessings. Don't quit when it comes to your relationship with Christ. Younger generation, man, you guys are known as quitters. Don't you hate that? Don't you hate being known as quitters? I I don't necessarily... I don't like that, you got, that, that the younger generation is thought of like that. But it is a fact that it is easy. It is easy for the younger generation to walk away from things because of the struggle that it brings. I don't know why that is. I mean, there's lots of reasons why that is. But you adults who constantly kind of berate the younger generation in saying that they're the quitters, don't forget that you're a quitter too. If you haven't brought anybody to a relationship with Christ over this past six months and you're not actively sitting down and studying the scripture with somebody, and you're not serving in a ministry, and you're not being that old man, that older lady who is driving force and doing some good things for your church, and that this younger generation, can keep your mouth shut. And I say that with the utmost respect. You better watch being the hypocrite to the younger generation when you ain't gonna be the one leading them. Now you younger generation, you gotta toughen up a little bit. You gotta grind through the pain. You gotta work hard. Life ain't gonna be easy and sometimes the greatest things come at that four, four in the morning whenever you're getting up and you're starting your day. This sleeping in until 11, noon, this, that and the other. I know it's summer break. You're gonna have to grow past that eventually though. You know what I mean? Like, not everything is sunshine and rainbows. I watched this little TV series called Snowflake. Anybody seen that? Aaron? I watched watched it. And usually, honestly, like, I don't watch a whole lot of TV because, like, whenever it's time to, like, go to bed and, like, lay down and and rest, I'm, like, done for the day, you know? I'm usually, as soon as my head hits that pillow, I'm ten toes up. I'm out. (laughs) I ain't got time to watch no, but I stay awake for this. Because Snowflake is all about basically taking these really, really privileged younger generation into this campground area, and they have to survive on their own. They have some necessities around them or whatnot, but they're putting tasks. And it was actually really cool because the very first time that we saw that, Ashley and I were watching it, like, uh, you see, like, these whining kids that are, like, just, they don't, don't don't even know how to do anything. Don't know how to do anything. Just everything's been handed to them. And then you start seeing them succeed in some stuff, and it's like, it's actually pretty cool. Um, So watch it, snowflake. (laughs) If that term offends you, I apologize. It's just what the name of it is, it's snowflake. Um, In Galatians chapter six, verse nine, listen to what this says. It says, let us not get tired of doing what's right, for after a while, we reap a harvest of blessing. If we don't get discouraged and give up, Church, don't get discouraged and give up whenever you feel like things are too tough. When you feel like the church is being attacked, when you feel like your ministry is under attack, when you feel like there's no success, when you feel like you're a little bit older and you don't have anything to show for it, when you feel all of these things that are discouraging, please don't get so discouraged to give up and quit, but turn back to the original person who has loved you greatly and can bring you out of that discouragement. Don't quit on your relationship with your Father in heaven. The last passage, Hebrews chapter 10, says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. I full, full-heartedly believe that God has amazing things planned for every one of you, no matter what age you are, no matter where you live, no matter what ministry you're a part of, no matter what church you're a part of. I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to do great and amazing things through you. And those doors are always gonna come before you, and you gotta figure out what you're gonna do with it. For the church in Philadelphia, they recognized their weakness. They were feeble, but they were super faithful. And God said, man, you know what? I see what you do. I see what you do, now watch and see what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna open up doors that nobody can shut on you. I want my Father in heaven to look at us and to be those disciples. He says, man, I see you. I see you working out there. I see you grinding. I see you out there pushing to be purposeful and growing the kingdom. I see you loving me. I see you seeking me out. Now watch what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna open up all those doors because I have the key of David. I've got that master key that can unlock any problems in your life. And if you do that, we're gonna do great and amazing things for our Father in heaven. I love you all. Let's pray.